right, all right, all right. Day 207. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we're we're still in this um section of the book, the last uh kind of section of the book of Jeremiah. This is the last episode for the book of Jeremiah. Give yourself uh, a round of applause uh, because this is the longest book in the Bible, right? <laughs> uh, uh, contrary to what you heard. And so um, Jeremiah in this text is going to continually name uh, nations that surround ancient uh, Israel and uh, enemies of uh, nations that were historically enemies of ancient Israel. So Ammon, Edom, Damascus, Kedar, Hazor, and Elam, right? Um, and Jeremiah is going to speak to these nations why because he is not just a prophet to israel but a prophet to the nations every single human being will be held accountable before god right so he says here he starts off he at the gate he's like the ammonites no no no. in particular we got to remember they assisted and put a battery in my man ishmael's back that's just slang for saying uh, they empowered or kind of um uh, 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 compelled uh, Ishmael <laughs> uh, to assassinate Gedaliah. Remember, we talked about this earlier in the book of Jeremiah. The governor of Judah uh, at the time, this is like uh, Jeremiah 40 to 41, and uh, he was the governor of Judah at the time, coming right after the exile, right? And so God is like, no, 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 they're going to receive my judgment, right? I am impartial, right? They will receive my judgment. And again, listen, he mentions one of their chief deities. He he mentions Milcom, right? He says Milcom can go into exile too. He's he going to get it too. Best believe. Who is Milcom? Milcom is one of the chief deities. Their gods will not be able to save them on the day of wrath. Their gods will not be able to save them on the day of wrath. Now, remember, in this time, in the ancient Near East, the cultural background of the Old Testament, warfare was in was inherently uh, religious. It, w- it was inherently theological. So in other words, to defeat another nation was to defeat their gods as well, right? And so uh, Exodus 12, 12 uh, for a proof text. But um, so you see this happen here. First Samuel 4 is another one too. Um, but so you see this happen here. And then he goes to Edom. I love it. He goes to Edom, verse 7. And in a sarcastic way, he mentions, uh, he says, uh, has counsel perished, right? Is there no longer wisdom in Timon, right? In other words, Edom, Listen, Edom was known for their wisdom, right? They were known for their wisdom, and they would not even be able to save. That wisdom would not even be able to save them from judgment either. So Milcom can't save uh, the Ammonites. Wisdom can't save Edom, right? It's, it's just like over and over, nothing can save anyone from the judgment and wrath and punishment of God except God himself. <laughs> except God himself. Damascus. Damascus is the capital city of Syria, right? They were enemies of Israel throughout the time of the monarchy monarchy as well. They received this rebuke, declaration of judgment, same song. Same thing as there with Kedar and Hazar and Elam. All of these, listen, all of these are Israel's enemies and have been throughout history. One of the things that you see is that God has an awesome memory. God's memory is perfect, especially when it comes, listen, to those who have dishonored him and who have hurt his people, right? God's memory is perfect, fam. God's memory is perfect. But at the same time, at the same time, I love it. At the same time, he also has an awesome amount of mercy, right? He has mercy on these foreign nations as well. Look what he says. Oh my God, man, it's so good, bro, because God is so just, fam. God is so just, but he's so merciful too. just as merciful. And that's just so comforting to me, bro. Like 
I, and, and our human minds can't like reconcile it perfectly. And I'm off script now, but our human minds can't reconcile it perfectly. But like to serve a God, fam, that is that is in some way somehow going to make every single wrong right, and at the same time is is infinitely merciful, is mind blowing, Chief. It's mind blowing. Anyway, so he says at the end. Why am I saying that? Why am I bringing that up? He says this, verse 39. He says, yet in the last days, I love it. In the last days, I will restore the fortunes of Elam. This is the Lord's declaration. He just gave this judgment against Elam. Then he says, I will restore their fortunes. So in other words, he says, the judgment dished out that I will dish out will be matched as well with the mercy I will give. All right. In the end, listen, the nations and the Gentiles, as I said last time, that turn to the one true God can come and will come and be a part of the Lord's people. The Lord is still giving warnings of judgment, but also invitations of mercy and hope and restoration as well. 50 comes, chapter 50 comes, and we have the longest oracle of judgment <clears throat> among the nations that spans the next two chapters. And listen, it is against none other than the nation of Babylon. Now, Jeremiah will give more space to the destruction of Babylon than every other nation he spoke about. Listen, combined. <laughs> no, no, combined, chief. This is so good. Why? Oh, my God. I love it. I love the Bible. Listen, this is so good because remember, many of Jeremiah's people in his own day, in his own ministry, he, he, he was uh, in ministry for 41 years. Many of his own people, fam, were trying to say that he was pro-Babylon, that he was a traitor, that he had defected to the Babylonians. But this section flies right in the face of that claim and that thesis because he says, no, no, no they going to get it too. And, and, and their rebuke is more stern than every other nation. I'm not pro-Babylon, I'm pro-Yahweh, I'm pro right? So I love what he says here. He says, essentially, the hunter will now become the hunted. The military predator will now become the prey. The enemy from the north will come and seize Babylon. Who And, 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 and the irony is that Babylon was spoken of as the enemy from the north, the whole book. And now the enemy from the north will come against them. Babylon has acted arrogantly, the text says. They have oppressed Judah and Israel, the text says. They have pitted themselves against the Lord. And this will lead to their downfall. Not only them, but their chief deity, God uh, Marduk as well. Right? Remember what we talked about last time. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, though, what I love about this chapter is that as he lays out judgment for the Babylonians, he lays out and displays salvation and oracles of Israel's restoration. Right. Israel will return to Zion, its land after after having been uh, exiled. Israel's sins will be forgiven. Right. And this will all be anchored in this permanent covenant that the Lord, listen, won't forget. And his people will seek him. It says. In other words. Jeremiah is saying, in the judgment of Babylon, we get the salvation of Israel. In the judgment of Babylon, we get the salvation of Israel. Judgment and salvation go together all throughout the Bible. Salvation only comes through judgment. Listen, in the judgment that Christ receives, the people of God get salvation. Right? God doesn't abandon the plan. He keeps on going. Jeremiah 51 comes. And the main thing you see throughout this uh, these few chapters is more, yeah, more oracles of judgment versus or against Babylon. Babylon will be judged, it says, by a nation from the north, like I said. And this nation is the Medo-Persian Empire. So the Medes and the Persians, they team up and they basically conquer Babylon. And so uh, really, just quick Old Testament history lesson. You have the um, Assyrian captivity, right? You have the Babylonian captivity, and then you have the uh, Persian captivity, right? So after Persia conquers Babylon, the uh, Israelites are 
under Persian jurisdiction, right? And so King Cyrus uh, lets the Israelites go back to the land of Israel after the Babylonian exile, and he is a Persian king, right? And so you'll see all this in Esther, Nehemiah, Ezra, uh, yeah, all the Persian texts. And then after that, the Greeks come, and then the Romans, and that's when time of Jesus. Anyway, all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, Medo-Persian Empire, and it says this, For I will soon start uh, and bring against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country. They will line up in battle formation against her. From there, she will be captured. Listen, Israel is encouraged that this is an act of the Lord, right? And that they will be saved out of the judgment that is coming on them. Now, it says this in verse 10. It says, the Lord has brought about our vindication. Come, let's tell in Zion what the Lord our God has accomplished. Oh, it's so much theology in these texts, bro. I don't even know if I'm going to do it. But listen, check this out. <laughs> so good. Um, what, what the Lord is saying is that, 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 that God is going to vindicate the righteous. The God is going to, 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 to prove Israel to be in the right, to be, to, to be righteous, a righteous people. Now, it's interesting because the exile, and it's so much here, the exile is talked, talked about and associated with death. Go read Deuteronomy chapter 28. Go read the book of Deuteronomy in general. He's always talking about perishing, dying, uh, uh, being destroyed. Death in the ultimate curse is actually exile. So exile and death are actually equated in this text or, or in the text of the Hebrew Bible, the text of the Old Testament. They're equated. And what the Lord is saying is, I'm going to bring you through exile. So what does that mean? That you will actually pass through death. So in other words, in a in the theological trajectory of returning from exile is actually resurrection. It's it's coming back from the dead, essentially. And in and in coming back from the dead, it is God vindicating his people as righteous. Right? God is vindicating his people righteous. And Babylon, in this text, is the wicked, right? Babylon is the wicked that is going to receive God's judgment because of their idolatry and, and injustice. He says, I will punish Bel, B-E-L, in Babylon. That's another name for Marduk. I will make him vomit what he swallowed. The nations will no longer stream to him. Even Babylon's wall will fail. Once again, Marduk comes up here. And listen, in those days, in Babylon, he was considered the creator God, right? And so what God is saying here is that anytime someone tries to replace me is when I when I have problems, you feel me? And so Babylon is judged specifically because of the gods they put in place and because of what they did to God's people, right? So Babylon must fall, it says, because of the slain of Israel, even as the slain of the whole earth fell because of Babylon, right? And it's just so much here, man. Um, he just goes on and on and on. And what I love is that one of the things that the New Testament is going to do, specifically the book of Revelation, it's going to take the Babylonian kingdom and, and use them as a type of all other sinful kingdoms that come after them and succeed them. Right. And so even in the uh, book of Revelation, you see Babylon, right, being personified here. And it's just imagery showing that these unjust kingdoms of the world are Babylon like. Right. And so what God is saying is that, no, 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 all of these unjust nations that oppress the weak and the vulnerable who have bowed their knees to foreign gods who choose not to take up the ways of the Lord will get what they are owed. Right. And so even Babylon here is pointing to uh, one of the first things is pointing to the last things, right? The earlier is pointing to the latter, right? And with the last thing that Jeremiah does here in this text in uh, 51 is he writes all these things on a scroll, fam. And what he's supposed to do, or he has the things written on a scroll in the, in the, pro, in the final prophetic sign act, the scroll is actually thrown into the Euphrates River. Now, Babylon was actually located by the Euphrates River. And so what he's saying is um, there's going to be this judgment for them this is this is signifying uh his actual message here right his last uh sonnet is uh babylon being done away with and this is in vindication and vengeance uh 
the Lord has for his people. 52 comes. 52. Final chapter of the book. And, um, man, Jeremiah is going to go from prophecy to history. Right? So, 2 Kings 25. Jeremiah 52, this actual chapter, 2 Chronicles 36, and Jeremiah 39. Write it down, uh, circle it, highlight it, write it on the tablet of your heart. They all tell the same story, right? This is a very, very, very important event in the Old Testament, right? This is the, this is the final siege and destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, right? 586 B.C. And now Jeremiah ends, excuse me, his text the same way the historical books or kings ends their texts and it's interesting because what you have here is um uh, jeremiah ending in the same way but look look what happens at the very end look what happens at the end of jeremiah 52 i'm gonna read it it says uh, on that day or excuse me, on the 25th day of the 12th month of the 37th year of the exile of Judas King Jehoiachin, King uh, Evil Merodach, Merodach of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, pardoned King Jehoiachin of Judah and released him from prison. He spoke kindly to him and set his throne above the throne of the kings who were with him in Babylon. Huh? He set his throne above the thrones of the kings. So the Babylonian king sets Jehoiachin, uh, Jehoiachin's throne over the thrones of the other kings in Babylon. So Jehoiachin changed his prison clothes and he dined regularly in the presence of the king of Babylon for the rest of his life. As for his allowance, a regular allowance was given to him by the king of Babylon, a portion for each day until the day of his death and the rest of his life. What is this saying? Oh my God. We talked about it at the end of second Kings, but what I leave, but what I believe, I don't know if I, we brought it up there, but the ending tells us, listen, that God's kingship, the kingship, was preserved in the midst of the exile. Now remember, the midst of the exile is actually death, chief. It's death. God promised to keep, listen, God promised to keep a Davidic king, fam, on the throne. Go to 2 Samuel 7, 1 Chronicles 17, some of the most important chapters in the Old Testament. He promised to keep a David, a David eyed on the throne forever. Forever. So in other words, so when exile was coming, it was all it, it was seemed to them like God had, had defected on his promises. It is like he went back on them. But no, no, no. But what the text of Jeremiah wants to hint at, oh, my God, that is that, that that God preserved the kingship, that he preserved his king and his rule, even while the people are in exile. So 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 this king here is above the kings of Babylon. He still has his royal place. And this is a picture of God's grace. This is a picture of God's grace and power that God, just as just as he is just once again, is is just as merciful. He is faithful to his promises. He will establish his kingdom. Now, I love it because, again, we see this pattern come up in the Bible. We see the Davidic king go to death and still go through death. And on the other side of the exile or the other side of death, comes a resurrection and so jesus is the one god was going to use the david the davidic uh king the king from the line of david that would bring in god's eternal kingdom the one that he wanted to establish on earth as it is in heaven listen this is the kingdom we live for today this is the king we live for today this is the one we put our ultimate allegiance, ultimate trust in. This is the one whose comprehensive rule must come over every single facet of our life. My prayer today is that you would not let another king or another kingdom sit at the center of your heart. Because the kingdom that is at the center of history 
is the kingdom that God is establishing in the person and work of his Messiah. So I pray that you would give your affections to that king and his kingdom today. Let's pray. God, we ask for your grace. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to live in such a way where people can say that you belong to a kingdom that is not of this world. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.